just two local guys with so much to say. So listen to the real estate brothers today. What's up, folks? It's Elaine and Dean here again. This is your monthly market update, tailored more for the Hawaii investors out there. We try and go over some Hawaii real estate statistics, and then we I put in my commentary on some of the national news and how it really impacts. Hawaii investors, and here we go. In Hawaii, there's so much to do. There's hula, there's surfing, and real estate too. We're just two local guys with so much to say. So listen to the real estate brothers today. All right, let's get this started. Dean, let's. Once you start us off with your monthly report, what's been going on? Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. My name is Dean Ueda. I'm your local real estate investor and realtor. The easiest way you can reach me is come go to realestateofhawaii.com. I also have a YouTube channel, which is um, also called Real Estate of Hawaii. So if you ever want to reach out to me, that's probably the easiest way. Let's jump right into things. Median home prices, right, for October 2022. Not much things going on in terms of price wise anyway so single family prices at 1.046 million which is up 4.6 percent from the same time last year condos are at six five hundred sixteen thousand, which is 3.6 percent up from prior year but as you can see uh, for i put prior months numbers up there too it's in the top right corner a little bit blocked but it's uh, you can see single family is actually down a little bit from 1.1 million in September. Then you can see that the condos are actually up from 502.5 million from 502.5 thousand from last month, yeah, September. So not much action going there. Where you actually see a lot of the action is when it's coming to closed transactions. Yeah. So single family, we see we had 216 transactions closed in October, which is a 43% decrease from October 2021. And condos, townhouses, 124 transactions, which is a, about a 31% decrease from same time last year. A lot of it's due to the interest rate rises as we've spoken to. I also like to put things in perspective, right? So if you look at that prior slide and you're saying, oh, we're down 43% for single family from prior year. And if you look at this chart, visually, it looks pretty bad as it's starting to tail off at the bottom. But when you're looking, putting things in perspective, looking back 10 years, we see that it's, it's still within the bands in terms of the, this, the cycles that are going through. You know? So a lot of it is perspective, which is what I think the theme of my portion of this month's presentation is. Right? So next we talk about month supply of inventory, right? Supply versus demand. So for both single family and condos, we have two point two months of inventory remaining, meaning that if no more units were to come available for sale, we'd last 2.2 months before all of the existing inventory were to be sold off. And again, the numbers, it's an 83% increase for single family, 22% increase for condos. Sounds really high, but again, we were at really low month supply of inventory prior to that. And again, taking things into perspective, looking back at a 10 your historical outlook, we're still not um, to the average what it's been for the last 10 years. We're still low down here. So again, putting things in perspective. Now we're looking at home for sale, right? You're talking about the supply side. And as you can see, we have 
665 single family homes available and 1,188 condos available. And on this, on the graph here, it's starting to creep up. You know, as more inventory starts to come on market, that's when we'll start to see prices starting to soften. But as you can see here, it's starting to creep up, but we're still relatively low. Yeah. And the story is a lot different when you're talking about other parts of the country now. I think we've brought up Las Vegas multiple times. They, they more than tripled their inventory in the last six months. Uh, so prices are, things are changing over there. A lot of it's has to do with new inventory coming on market. So as you can see, we're actually, even though rates are, have more than doubled, we, our new inventory coming online is actually dropping. And uh, we talked about that too, Elaine. So if people are trying to upsize, families grow and get bigger. A lot of people are trying to outgrow their first place. And if you're at a 3% interest rate in a condo, but and you're trying to buy a million dollar home, but the rates are now 7%, it's really hard to do. So people have a hard time trying to um, move on with these growing interest rates. As you can see, inventory is not helping us out in terms of new inventory or homes for sale. And again, looking things in perspective, we look at this historical outlook and it's not much, it's not very unique or any outliers in the cycles that we've had. If you've been listening to the Simple Passive Cashflow podcast since 2016, you have seen me well change my mind a few times. At one time, I thought buying a bunch of rentals was the way to financial freedom, so you could be that cool guy at the local real estate club with all the other misguided landlords. As I became an accredited investor, I discovered the three-step system that we use today. First, syndication deals where you don't invest with dishonest operators to get better returns than the 401k financial planner garbage. Second step, get passive losses to unlock the tax best practices that the wealthy employ. And last and least impactful, number three, infinite banking. If your net worth is not yet $1 million, check out my free turnkey rental remote e-course at simplepassacashflow.com slash turnkey. All right, speaking to accredited investor to accredited investor, my 123 system is very simple to implement, but it requires plugging into a community of purely passive accredited investors like ours. Join our investor club for more insider access. Go to simplepassacashflow.com slash club. Those who are looking to deploy more than $250,000 their first year or make over $300,000 in annual income or net worth over a couple million dollars should really look into our exclusive inner circle called the Family Office HANA Mastermind, FOOM for short. Learn more at simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey. Hot topic and everyone's talking about is mortgage rates, right? So this is from mortgageratedaily.com and we're at 7.3 as of today. And again, we as we mentioned, we've more than doubled in the last, since the beginning of the year. However, if you look at things in perspective, back in 1981, October, our interest rate was the 30-year amortized loan was 18.45%. Putting all things in perspective, 7.3% doesn't seem that high in the grand scheme of things, but it just depends on how old you are, how much we've seen, and how many cycles we've been through yeah would you say <laughs> but it's a tough sell man right like people, it is no yeah you know, like you can't double the amount of interest when you should have done something three months ago no exactly uh. <laughs> yeah so it's it's to your point i mean it's only what you're capable of doing because yeah buying power just went down so much for people i can it makes total sense why people are waiting on the sidelines now S same thing for investors right jay powell spoke yesterday and market went down a little bit everyone's like oh no he's complained that interest rates are going to be going up higher than even higher now and but once a day it went up like 
uh, 0.75 today, and I think it's going to go up another couple times at least. That's good. Yeah, I was, I was trying to, and everyone always reads between the lines, right? Once he speaks and he's trying to figure out, okay, what is he actually implying? And that's the part everybody knows, whatever, 0.75, wants to know what lies in the future, and then that's how it affects the markets. Yeah. So interesting. And they're like reading every specific word right and what that word connotes to them so that's interesting yeah. in itself how that just can totally affect the markets so I always... here's my theory like he don't the man doesn't know he has to just increase interest rates so that our inflation comes down and unemployment comes up a little bit yeah. but he doesn't know that so he's super cautious on how he words things he's not going to say oh it will be two more interest rate changes of 0. 0.5 0. 0.7 because the dude doesn't know and if he does say something like that then everyone's going to get all, I don't know, everyone will freak out. It's, oh my God, he said it was going to be two more interest rates hikes and then it'd be that. It won't. What's going on? Nobody has control over here. Yeah, so yeah. I get it. No, yeah. And I feel bad for the financial advisors. I don't know if I feel bad for them or not, but I was telling my other half, okay, now is when the financial advisors are actually earning their money, right? Because this last bull market, the, when you're making all this money, then you don't really get the calls. But as soon as, everything starts to get all go awry then you start getting the calls and so what's going on and what should i do so yeah and it's advisable no. that over the last 30 you know, years <laughs> it's better to hold and not to just read that garbage that blurb again <laughs> no and yeah to your point i think the best advice is if you don't really need it then don't look into it right look at your statements don't see what the market is doing just leave it alone and that's good peace of mind, I think, if you just don't touch it because it's all paper losses for now, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. We're not financial planners here. Yes, this is yeah. not financial waste. But I, I don't have any, is. I don't have any stocks or mutual funds or any of that type of stuff. I got all real assets. Oh, no, I hear no you. paper to look at. Maybe that's a good segue to my next slide. Being that it's, I don't know for you, Lane, but this end of the year has come so quickly. As like, why? Well, I just felt like yesterday we were saying, oh, we're halfway through the year. Oh, now we're like almost done with the year. And a lot of times people are starting to talk about planning for budgeting for next year or planning for next year, right? We just did our taxes so for 2021. So now we're looking for the new year. What do we do with the refund? But anyway, I guess the majority of my portion of the this today's discussion, I wanted to talk about them. Um, do you listen to Rocky Lalvini? Yeah, how'd you hear about him? I, um, I know him pretty well. Oh, you know, I, well, that's cool. Yeah, I was on his podcast like four years ago. Maybe that's how maybe, I heard about it. Maybe him. that's how you heard of him. I was going to ask maybe. you, how do you know Rocky? Yeah, I don't know him personally. I just listened to his podcast. I really liked him because it really offers a balance in terms of his whole purpose. Not, I don't think the term is coined the purpose driven life, but he's living a life on purpose. And so he talks about being financially doing well for you financially, but also having that balance and having a very well-rounded, fulfilling life. So I like listening to what he has to say. So the last guest, or maybe I forgot what number pod, it was a recent podcast that he had, but he had a gentleman by the name of Noah St. John. And the one of the main things that he's talking about is getting rid of head trash. And it stuck with me. So apparently this Noah St. John person is a self-help guru he's he has books out and he's also i think he's a speaker for executives or and business owners i'm sorry but uh, he's one of those that read other self-help books and you know saying that like all 
the other one say it too. It's like, all these self-help books are saying the same thing, just in a different way. And I agree with that to a certain extent. And it seems to me like it's just what it comes down to is which message is going to resonate with you. And it's also a timing thing to write. If you're not ready to hear the message, then it's not going to stick. So anyway, some of his points in this podcast that I listened to just yesterday, I think, was the freedom lifestyle formula he talks about. And it's about having these four things, having the time, having the energy, the relationships, and the money. And um, this idea of having head trash, and it's like a mindset that you need to get away from. And I actually, my son, Burton, my son was listening to the podcast I was driving when I, we were going to tennis, I think. So I, oh, this is cool. And I was like, yeah. So we tried to apply it to what he had to say. And it's funny because he went home and he tried to explain it to his sister, but it didn't come out so well. So anyway, head trash, it's just the mindset of where you're thinking negatively. Oh, why do I have so little energy? Why do I not have enough money? It's very negative connotation. Noah St. John says the mindset needs to switch to have what he's called. It's not an affirmation, but an affirmation. The word form in it, meaning you're trying to get there. And it's more of a positive mindset saying, okay, not, it's not to say, why do I have so little energy? But why are my energy levels so high? Why are they off the charts? And you might not be there, but you think that way so that then you're thinking why, what you need to do to get there. So you're not focusing on what you're doing wrong, but you're focusing on what you need to do to get there. Yeah. So it's a total mindset shift. Um, again, nothing new. I put the 12 week break too, because that's the, I think that's the system that he preaches, but it was great because I was talking to my son about it and I was like, how I can apply it to him. So a lot of times when we're, he's playing tennis and he gets down on himself for maybe getting a lot of double faults or serving to the net and then he gets mad sometimes he'll tap his racket on the ground and say and he'll be like man i keep serving a ball in the net or what why do i keep double fault it's like according to noah saint john your mindset should be oh why am i having these great serves why am i getting these aces why am i having great top spin kick serves but it's more of i mean it's a mindset shift mindset shift i don't know so it's cool i thought it was and a lot of it's like timing right like when you get the message and are you ready to receive it like that book lane that you let me borrow that i'm reading it now i'm starting to feed off of it a lot that seven figure one what's what's like a negative loop that comes to you because people say i've heard of this before it's like you're listening to a radio a lot of times involuntary and then if you don't like the song then you need to be conscious and say all right that song sucks this radio station sucks I need to change it, but what's one of those bad radio channels that comes in your maybe a lot of people just can't aren't aware of there is even yeah, yeah. I think one of them was like my mood maybe sometimes I find that I'm grouchy or something and then it's like, oh man what's up with me did I get not get enough sleep or trying to change the way that I'm currently feeling and then maybe it's not enough sleep or I have to eat more regularly but for me sometimes it's that that just that negativity or that that negative mojo that I got to get rid of and be more positive because positivity breeds positivity. For me, it would, is the, one of the things that I'm working on. Yeah. I, I, I could agree or disagree, but I do know negativity is going to take you down a negative spiral for sure. For oh. sure. Right. right, right. But I don't know. I mean, I think that's something I'm pretty self-aware of. Like when I start to get those, kind of negative thoughts i'm like all right this is just like uh as eckhart tolle says the pain body or the just the ideas this is not me this is just a thought but i'm trying to i'll think mm. of one ask me a little later 
Okay, okay, okay. Or sometimes to me too, sometimes it's, I read these, these, like you said, it's like something didn't go right today and that, well, you just move on and do something that I can control and start doing activities that I can control and that are going to get me to where I need to go. And you get the whole 80-20 rule. Yeah, I think for me, it's like there's things that go wrong all the time, but then I think of it as I've trained myself to think, does this really matter at the end? There's been some pretty bad things that have happened, some minor things, some semi-minor things, and even like the minor major things which are committal after a week or three weeks or one month or a few months, just not even a thing anymore. No, I totally get that. Stuff that keeps you up at night and it's like, wait, why the heck is this keeping me up at night? At a certain point, you realize what I thought of as such a big thing is maybe a tenth of the size in terms of that's what happens to me sometimes. Yeah, things work its way out. And that's why I try... That's why I don't really do my emails anymore and I let the team deal it, deal with it because after a while, just, it seems so 80% of the time that problems just work itself out and I don't need to get stressed out about it. (laughs) I I agree 110%. And to your point, it didn't even need to come to you, right? It'll get ironed out so it shouldn't even been in your head because it shouldn't come to you until the point in time further down the road. Yeah, or it never would have bubbled to the surface anyway. That said, you don't want to be unproactive, but... That's why you're, you can have other people deal with those problems the better. Yeah, it's actually something I'm trying to embrace now too. Like you said, with a team and everything now on this real estate side. And that's why that should have, I wish I had that book that you had let me borrow. That's pretty cool. And in terms of uh, making sure we have systems averaging properly. And it's all about timing, right? Because I've been given that message not only by you multiple times, but by others in terms of what's our best use. And we only have 24 hours in a day, so we got to make sure we maximize, especially if we want to have balance with family and everything else in our lives these days. If we're trying to grow that empire, whatever we're trying to do, we're going to make sure we're making the best use of our time and whatever that means to you. Moving on, I also like to end with the infamous scam of the month. So it's funny, we talk about, just talking about going to Japan as Japan, Japan opens up. And I know, Elaine, you're planning your trip somewhere else but i'm gonna try to go to japan at the end of this year and um google translate there's a new phishing scam for that go figure right and if you're familiar with google translate it's a free service that translates text from one language to another so in this new scam cyber criminals send an email claiming that an important emails are being withheld in your inbox and you need to click on a link to log in and confirm your account right and of course the link is going to redirect you to a spoofed login page for the google translate banner right and then once you log in into your credentials the criminals use your access Oops. So use access to steal your sensitive information as always right if you see an email claiming that you have account problems always Go back to the original site directly. Before you click on anything, hover over it to make sure that it's directing you to where it's supposed to be. And also use the multi-factor authentication functionality when it's available. Yeah? It adds an extra layer of controls to, to your systems. Although we've also talked in prior episodes about MFA scams too. Yeah, he's got to be careful. Multi-factor authentication. Okay. All right. So I'm going to try and go through. Uh, normally, I cover these slides in a lot more detail. But if you guys want to check out the uh, more in-depth front through of this last headlines on a national level, check out my podcast, Full Passive Cashflow. I've been doing it since 2016. If you don't know where it is, email the team at simplepassivecashflow.com. We'll get you guys lined up. But uh, first thing here, John Burns reporting apartment rents don't go to the sky. So some of these markets like Phoenix we've been in, 
some of those rents have been going up like 20% in one year, which is just unsustainable. But that's all this article is about. I think we're starting to see the rent growth kind of level off a little bit, still growing, but nothing like double digit growth anymore. This is a recap of that Inflation Reduction Act, which a lot of people have joked around as created more money in the system, which is the opposite of what it, the damn act was supposed to do, right? Which is curb inflation. That's just how the government works, right? You put some kind of catchy type of label on the document just and just throw in whatever laws and bills you want in the spending bill anyway. But there wasn't very much for investors in there. Maybe there's some advanced energy protection tax credits, but really nothing juicy for, like, I think a lot of our, our clientele are individual investors between one to $10 million net worth, nothing too much in there. So sorry about that. Maybe in the next next six to eight months, they'll come up with another one. There might be something good in there for people <laughs> who are sophisticated enough to take advantages of what's been written into the IRS tax code. So flip ahead here. Freddie Mac, multifamily investment market index down in the second quarter. So this is partly to do because of the rent increases aren't skyrocketing as it once was. And we are going into the slower season, going into the fall here too. Also, occupancy is pretty high. We're starting to see the class A and B, they had the biggest price increases in comparison to the class C people, the lower end, the workforce housing. Which all makes sense because the pandemic really took a whack at the lower end tenants where the higher end tenants, they work from home, they didn't lose their jobs, and they seem to be okay and probably in better shape where they are now. And that is a problem that the Fed has. A lot of people have a lot of cash savings from the pandemic, so it's hard to get that immediate feedback from inducing. They're trying to induce employment to come up to create the inflation to come down with the interest rates, but that's why it's not like a super quick turnaround. There's a lag because a lot of people have a lot of pent up savings in there. Top five markets for multifamily deliveries. So this is the new stuff being built. And this is going off of, these are the professionals, right? This is the big money. This is where they're putting in development money, which top five, Dallas, Houston, Washington, D.C., Miami, and Phoenix. Foreclosures. It's been on the rise lately, but don't let the headlines fool you. That's why it's all relative. This actually kind of looks very similar to Dean's earlier slide on where well, the days on market, right? It's been coming up lately, but still nothing where it was in the peak. I would say it's like a tenth of the peak still, but I would say they're saying foreclosure activity is reflecting other aspects of the economy as unemployment rates continue to be historically low and mortgage delinquency rates are lower than they were before the COVID-19 outbreak. Sam Zell says the U.S. economy is softening, not in a recession. So take it from him. Also complained that the Inflation Reduction Act passed in August resulted in a lot of spending and it is irresponsible and the title of the act is misleading and it's going to add on the inflation pressure and not decrease it. But anyway, most people don't know that. So that's all that really matters. What is the public perception? Real Page says apartments remain hot, but peak rent growth could be in rearview mirror. Talked about this, but this has a nice little graph if you guys want to check this out on the YouTube channel. And then we also play this on the podcast too, in case you guys want to mow the lawn or do chores around the house as you listen to us here. So this one is talking about the top cities where housing markets are cooling the fastest. Oh no. From the top to the bottom. So one would say these were the frothy markets. So I'll just read them from top to bottom. Seattle, Washington, Las Vegas, San Jose, San Diego, Sacramento, Denver, 
Phoenix, Oakland, Northport, Florida, Tacoma, Washington. How do you get on this list? It's like from the top to where it's at now, the yeah. kind of the cool off. Not saying that they're bad markets. I think Phoenix still is strong market and still growing a lot. I think it was just high up there because it was such a strong market. But places like Seattle and Sacramento, I would definitely yeah. say our markets were, it maybe just got a little bit too much frenzy there. My Vegas property just went vacant. <laughs> so I'm renovating it and in the process of thinking sell or release, but not really try to rent it back out but like you said we're heading into the winter months and maybe not a good time for either but uh, yeah this guy dean from real estate of hawaii told me that it's just gonna take a little longer to sell he's probably should still get the same price <laughs> hey hey he's pretty knowledgeable <laughs> guy yeah knowledgeable guy so maybe you should just be patient and do what he says could have been said any better i should say no it's ultimately it comes down to you want to keep this as an asset creating cash flow or do you think you can do better with that equity Exactly. Perfect point. You got to wait. And it depends on what options you have to wait. For my, me, it's sitting in my self-directed IRAs. Options are, have various options, but then we talked about the UBTI and the UBIT. But anyway, I digress. Continuing. You haven't decided yet on that one? We're going to renovate it. I'm going to list it for a few months, see if, what kind of action we get. And if not, rent it out in the spring. You got to make the decision now though, right? Like you can renovate it just to slap a tenant in there or renovating it for a residential homeowner is different. Yeah, it's a small walk up in northeast of the strip. And so the biggest decision was to put, we did all the other small things, but the biggest decision was do we redo carpet and vinyl the kitchen or do the, you know, luxury plank, plank vinyl throughout? Uh, the difference is three grand. So I just said do the plank, try to sell it. And if not, at least we have more durable flooring for the long run if we have to go to the rent out. And it's funny because property manager and agent uh, both had different perspectives on which one to do. So I, I had to make the call. So I said, ah, three grand difference. Just do the plank vinyl and let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that stuff, it's stronger and it yeah. looks fancy too. Yeah. Yeah. And then so my, to the property manager's point, he said, it'll look very consistent throughout. So he, he thinks it might get a, uh, a return. If I to try to sell that to like, oh, whatever, just just do it and move on. I don't want to put too much thought so into it. You'll be buying here in a couple of months then. I actually just sold my last rental last Friday. Oh, cool. I got the wire Monday. Memphis? Thank Birmingham. My oh, last cool. rental property. Thank God. Congratulations. Done with that. That wasn't the cat one. Which one? Cat one's long gone. Oh, yeah, that was long gone. That was like four years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, this one was vacant for over a year because it just took so long to get permits and do it the right way. Oh, my. Yeah. What a pain in the butt. Okay. If somebody's listening right now and you're under a quarter million, half a million dollars net worth, buy rental properties. But if you're a credit investor, there's more scalable ways of doing this. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying versus getting headaches. So we could, again, I digress. So Arbor says here, affordable housing trends report, some of the takeaways here, just some of the mans, right? Like what, they're not building affordable housing. It's going up because they only build new builds and then the rising costs of construction, of course, too. And a lot of people just aren't buying houses millennials these days so this is kind of talking again about the how the mortgage rates are pushing back people into the rental market because they're getting stick of shock over that interest rate and then the monthly payments dean was actually we did a house tour the other day dean's gonna help me but maybe buy a house i'm like looking at like a 
I'm looking at an arm, which is people should gasp, right? Oh, an arm. I know what I'm doing. And, but even for me, it's like I'm looking at like 9 or 11% interest rate on that arm. And the whole point, the strategy that I might do is you ride that. The nice thing about the arm that you ride that thing back down when the interest rates come back down. It's one of the strategies, but it's all like the least money out of pocket because I can have my money working for me. But yeah, I got to admit, man, like a little afraid of that 9, 11% interest rate. But I guess it comes down to, can you make more than that? I guess I could, but it's high. How long is it locked for? I think like, I think they were saying seven years. Which is, Um, they say, the typical average in terms of when someone either buys, sells, or refinances, right? (laughs) But I would do a shorter, like a three or five year arm. But also you can get some IO, interest only payment for I don't know how many years I'm guessing like one or three years conversations for another day yeah. but don't do that people Just get you <laughs> <laughs> no you're to your point Nick. it's it's you, I think your whole thing is maximizing your balance sheet right but for a typical consumer that could be dangerous right because yeah. you're taking the assets that you're not using and you're using it to invest in other things versus we talked about this too where it's like okay the average person you buy a house to live in invest in your 401k work until your retirement age and you're good but then you know that that that's all fine and dandy for a lot of people but you might reach a point where you start looking for better things which is i think where we are what we're trying to do excuse me but i'm banging my head against the wall working with some of these underwriters they just don't understand but yeah so like it's hard for people who don't have w2 jobs out there so you have to maybe we should probably do a little spiel on this later on but you have to get past the income verification portion to verify there's a couple ways there's a 1099s or your bank they take a look at all your bank statements once you're past that phase then it's up to your credit score and your debt to income qualify you for the right rate so it's kind of a two-phase thing yeah and it's relatively unique yeah lane situation is i wouldn't say unique but like for traditional lenders it's unique so let you (laughs) know how it let you know how it goes yeah how come we we can't see the people who are posting these things i think it's because the software that we're using it doesn't doesn't link it back to us but, oh, God, God. but continuing God. on so this little chart here is showing the average rent collection most times you have a apartment even if it's a really good tenant base you're gonna have at least like three percent of deadbeats not pay rent you gotta chase them for obviously with harder tenants class c tenants or worse it's going to be a lot worse than that but there's a widening gap between class a and b and class c affordability and part of this has to do with a lot of other places in America, like the rent moratoriums let up, I would say earlier last year, but it really didn't start to make its way through the system until late last year to now. And it's probably still going to be an issue flushing through the set of tenants in the next six months, at least. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm curious to hear more statistics on that. I'll just use an anecdote. The nice thing is that some of the government assistance came back online. And my understanding how that works, it's like unemployment. They'll have money and then they won't. It turns on and turn off based on the government kind of paying their internal bills. Is I think how that works. So I'm guessing if that's how this stuff works where tenants can apply for government assistance. But in the past, it made sense. Yeah, they just wait for the tenant to apply that. And then they start paying their rent with government money. But then it just makes sense to bite the bullet and then a victim because you could have a pay tenant in there for six months not paying on and off and at the end of the day especially if you're doing a value-add strategy 
you don't want that type of individual right. in there because yeah. they don't have the ability to pay the increased rents. Yeah, it's sad to say some of them know how to work the system and are trying to just milk it for all it's worth and stay there as long as they can. So having a good property manager to figure that those out or try to spot those up front would be good because there was even on this island where in this complex that I have a property and there were known tenants who were actually trying to do this and then they would jump from unit to unit within the complex until their name got it got the manager started to catch on so that's kind of good property management is key i guess is my point to this and that's the hard thing about these there's a credit report but sometimes that stuff won't show up on there with somebody mm. who's gaming the system and the thing is if, if you call past landlords it's hard some of them to tell the truth but others um especially if they're currently in that unit right they're, they might want them out so it's not in their best interest to say oh yeah this tenant doesn't pay timely so try to if you're trying to self-manage make sure you call a landlord who's who the tenant isn't currently renting from because there may be some bias in there that's messed up right if you have an employee that you think is going to sue you if you fire them. So you don't want to fire them, but you want them to leave. And then somebody calls you and they're, <laughs> doing, and they're doing reference checks. You call them, oh, this is a great person. Yeah, you should pay you'll, you'll them love more. You love them. <laughs> so they just take the problem off your hands. Especially if it's a competitor too. I'm just being mean people. Don't worry. Yeah. Thank you, Cody Allen Ching, for your comments. He outed himself. So yeah, at the end of the day, renter incomes are going up because unemployment is pretty low, yet they're not going up fast enough to catch up with rent and what people are doing, which is exactly what inflation is part of the inflation right. portion. Anything else to close out today, Dean, on your end? No, just, just reiterating what we said in the past in terms of coming close to the year end. It's all about perspective and having that proper mindset in whatever activity you're going into, whether it be whatever, investing, sports, relationships, it's having that mindset. Get rid of that head trash, as uh, that person said. I hear you know St. John. That's all I have. That's it, folks. We'll see you guys next month. One more in the year. If you guys have any feedback, let us know. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Hey, just some legal stuff here. Although these two brothers are pretty knowledgeable and have over 2,100 rental units and own over $160 million worth of real estate, the preceding are only ideas and not to be taken as legal, tax, or financial advice, okay? You should always seek the professional advice of other professionals on your team and think for yourself and do your own due diligence, okay? Aloha. <laughs>